You are listening to the Passion City Church Podcast. To learn more about Passion City Church, including our gathering times in Atlanta and Washington, D.C., visit us online at passioncitychurch.com. Today's talk comes from Grant Partrick. Well, just a few uh, weeks ago, I went on uh, my first ever vacation with my wife and her entire family, who are all part of our church. Isn't that amazing? Uh, so there's five kids and all the rest of us, and we're all in one house. Anybody ever done a vacation like this? Live to tell about it? Yep. It was amazing. It was such an awesome uh, week. And we went down to New Smyrna Beach. Anybody ever been to New Smyrna Beach? I had never been there, uh, but my wife's grandparents uh, retired down there. And so they grew up going there all the time. And I was kind of excited to hear about this place and to see this place that had formed so much in my wife. And uh, we get down there and um, my father-in-law has big grandiose plans in life. He likes to do things right. If you've ever been around somebody like that, anybody who knows him, you know that. He likes to do things right. And so uh, we're going to, uh, at night, this, there's, at nighttime, we're going to this boardwalk. Anybody ever been to a boardwalk? Now, I've been to a boardwalk before. And when I went to a boardwalk, it was a boardwalk, meaning there were some boards and you walked and then you came back. It was about the length of the stage. There's people fishing on both sides. You walk to the end. Wow, it's beautiful. You walk back. That's what I had prepared for. But when, when you Google the boardwalk in New Smyrna Beach, you find out that it's actually called, um, here's the name of it. It's called the Smyrna Dunes Boardwalk Trail, which the last word is very important to get in the name, trail. It is a two and a half mile trail. It is a hike that you should train for and be prepared for. And so we get there, us, uh, Brett and Ansley, our five kids, Christy, we're all there. This is going to be amazing. We're wearing clothes like this. And we get out and we do what everybody wants to do. We want to take pictures of our kids. And so we get out in the parking lot. There's a, sm- a sign that says the name of the thing. And we're like, oh, this is so amazing. Come on, all you kids, get in front of this sign. I don't know why I always want to take pictures. Like the surest way to ruin a moment, take a picture. So we get all the kids in front of this thing. We're like, let's take a picture. And we take a picture. And we're like, great, we saw it. And we're like, and in and, and Granddaddy's on down the boardwalk now. He's like, no, come on. Y'all got to keep coming over here. There's this awesome view over here. So we finally get to a place where you can see the water. And we're like, this is amazing. Come on, kids. Let's take another picture, which should be an Olympic sport. If you have a toddler and you can get them in a picture, we said it doesn't matter if they smile in the picture or not. Just the fact that they're in the picture, that's a win. Amen to anybody that's got little kids. They're just in there. We can all see our whole family went. We didn't leave one at home. We're all in the picture. And you can never get all of them to smile at the same time. So we just give up on that. Are they all in? Nobody's crying. This is a win. Doesn't matter that one's looking that way and one's looking that way. So we get to the water. We take a picture and it's all amazing. This is like 20 minutes of wrangling people after walking on a trail, not a boardwalk. And so we get, I mean, we got like a two-year-old just walking on this thing. And then we finally take this picture. Granddaddy's on down the beach now. Like, there's a better photo over here. Y'all come down this way. The sun's about to set. So we go all the way down here. Wrangle our kids up. Time for another picture, kids. You know, it's like eight o'clock at night now and the sun's setting and our kids just are having a meltdown because we already took one picture. That's like the limit for a week. And we're, we get going, 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 going. And granddaddy, we get to the next place. He's like, over here, there's a lighthouse and the sun's about to set over the water. Y'all come down over here. And we go through this whole thing. We finally take the last picture and then realize when we take the last picture, we are at the farthest point you can possibly be from our cars. 
we took our last picture and we got like a two and a half mile hike back to the car. But I love this illustration in this image because, you know, when we got to the parking lot, we're, we're at the sign. Got little dolphins painted on it. We're like, this is awesome. Let's just take a picture here. It's amazing. And it really was amazing. We were happy to be there. I was like, this is incredible. Then we finally get to the end of the boardwalk and we see the water and we're like, this is so amazing. This is like a Christmas card. It's the summer, but hey, this could be our Christmas card. You know, let's get all the pictures here. We take a picture. It was a great picture. Praise God. Let's give him thanks. And then we got on to the next place. And when we get to the next place, it was even better. We go to the next place. When we get to the next place, it was even better. The illustration breaks down when we had to walk back home to our car, but every illustration breaks down somewhere. And this is a picture of what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Because some of you, you came to church last Sunday, you put your faith in Jesus and you're standing at the starting point. And you're going, this is awesome. And it is. And some of you have made it all the way down to the first turn of the boardwalk and you're standing there in front of the water and you're going, this is incredible. What a view we have from here. And yet, the more you keep traveling with Jesus, the better the view gets. You've never seen every view. You've never seen every sunset. You've never seen all there is to see. So if you're brand new to the story, welcome. Enjoy the view at the sign, but know that it gets better. And maybe for you, you're 25 years in. And maybe for you, it's gotten stale. Maybe for you, you've grown bored. And I just want to lovingly and pastorally call you up to go, maybe it's time to leave this section of the boardwalk and go on down to the next sunset. Because there's another one. And it's going to blow your mind. The beauty of Jesus is you never turn over all the rocks. He's inexhaustible. He's a well that never ends. Our entire life, you can keep taking step by step by step. And you've only seen a fraction of his beauty, a fraction of his goodness. You've only experienced a tiny little fraction of who he is. And yet when we see a beautiful view, we're tempted to put up our lawn chairs and go, cool. I'll just sit here and run the clock out till Jesus comes back. But Jesus has a plan for you to be conformed into his image and transformed. And what transforms us is taking step by step by step towards an eternal and beautiful king. So baseline for everybody in the room today, there's a next step for you. Brand new believer in Jesus, there's a next step for you. 75-year-old couple that's been in church for 40 years, you've led all the Sunday schools, you've done all the things, guess what? 75 years is not even .0000001% of experiencing all there is to experience with God. So let that fuel us towards the pursuit of seeing his beauty. I wanna read a few scriptures for us. As we think and talk about this question, what, what then is your next step? Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Some of the best verses in all the Bible for my money. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is Easter. The salvation is possible. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
I love that. For we are his workmanship. Your translation may say, for we are his masterpiece. That Greek word there is poema. It's where we get our English word poem from. And Jesus is saying, you're, you, you are my masterpiece. You're, you're my workmanship created for good works. So you, you see this, that the beauty is that we're saved from something. And we should all celebrate that until we're finally home with Jesus for all of eternity. We've been saved from the condemnation and guilt and shame of our sin. But sometimes we forget that we also have been saved for something. We've been saved from something and we've been saved for something. You have been saved from the eternal punishment of the sin that we deserve to pay because of the sacrifice of Jesus paying it for us. This is Easter Sunday. But you've also been saved for something, which is God has prepared good works for you and me to do in advance so that as we walk in them, his glory will reach the ends of the earth. That's true for every single person in this room. It says in Matthew 5, famous two verses here, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, <laughs> let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Jesus has prepared for you and for me. Brand new believer, seasoned vet. Jesus has prepared good works in advance for us to do. And as we walk in them, people will see our, our good works. And what will they do? Applaud us, cheer for us, retire our jerseys? No, they will give glory to our Father who is in heaven. This is the work that we have been given to do. You see, the, the call of the Christian life is a public call. There's no such thing as a private faith. You don't read about it in the New Testament. Are there private elements? Does Jesus say, go into your closet and pray and close the door? 100%. But those who have been called to be sons and daughters of Jesus, he's put us, called us and put us into a game to display our light so that people will see the light and see our good works and give glory to our God and Father who is in heaven. And yet, in our current world, it is so easy for all of us as the people of God, the people who hold the answer, the people who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, the people who have been forgiven, the people who will now live for eternity with the King, the people who have been saved and rescued from our sin, the people who have experienced grace and mercy. It is so easy for us because the world is so corrupt and dark to just get our 10 other buddies around us that all have seen and tasted too. And to go, you know what, let's just all, we'll just all be a group over here. And Jesus is going, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's important to have this group. But it's important to have this group because this group is meant not to isolate and seclude you from the world. It's meant to equip you and send you into the world. This is the call of the Christian. And for many of us, our Christian faith kind of looks like this. We, we've got our little bubble, you know. We got our little people. This was our beach tent for the kids on Amazon. So hopefully it lasts for 20 more minutes. No worries. If it doesn't, I'll return it and get my money back. Don't act like you don't do it. 
you know, we're in here in our little Christian bubble. We've got our little friends. We're going to come in here. We're going to turn our lights on. Great. How's everybody doing in here? Excited to worship together today? Yeah? Awesome. Oh, wait, look, we got somebody at the door. They might want to come in. Do you, do you know all the new words to the Burn Bright album? <laughs> no. Do you know the choral edition of what he's done yet? <laughs> no. Where were you last Friday? Oh, no, you can't come in here. What, what kind of family did you grow up in? No, sorry, we don't, no, that's not, we're, us in here, we're, we're, we're all Jesus followers. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sorry, you, that, this is not for you. And then we just sit in here with all the people who think like us, act like us, but the assignment Jesus has given us is out there. We're like, where? <laughs> we're in here, you know? And then we're gonna sit in here. I'm gonna burn bright. I'm gonna let love rise. Gonna shine like stars in the heavens. <laughs> this is not the picture that you see in the New Testament. Is this important? 100%. You need a community of believers who will hold you accountable, who will spur you on, who will encourage you, and who will comfort you. But there is a time where we sit in this tent and sing about Jesus taking us deeper, and Jesus wants to say back to us, deeper is going to require taking a step out of the comfortable. Deeper is going to require you being, yes, in the tent so that you can be fueled and equipped and and encouraged, but then also sent out everywhere you go. Sent into schools to be a principal who's a light in that school. Sent into business places. Sent into your family. Sent everywhere. It's not that we are isolated and secluded. It's that we are being equipped when we're in the church and sent to every single place we go. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that we are ambassadors for Christ. He says it's as though Christ is making his appeal through us. You understand that's not for the super spiritual Christians. That's not for the people who went to seminary. That's not for the professional pastors. That's for every single son and daughter of Jesus Christ. You are meant to be an ambassador for Christ wherever you go as though Christ is making his appeal through us. I love that in Acts 17, it says that Paul and Silas, when they were in Thessalonica, they were living such lives for the fame and glory of Jesus. They were living with such purpose that it says that they turned the world upside down. Don't you love that? And even in our world, as dark as it is, I still believe with every fiber in my being that the gospel of Jesus Christ still has the power to turn the world upside down. Do you believe that? This is what we're called to live out. It is a public faith. So I love that even in our church, when you walk into this building, you see right outside of this wall, the Jesus's life wall. An illumination signaling, I I was dead and now I'm alive. I now have the light and I have come alive in Jesus. And, And today we're just talking about next steps. So maybe for some of you, you've put your faith in Jesus and you've never taken the simple public step of saying to our church, this is me, I'm alive. And I wanna invite you as this gathering ends to go out to the atrium, all of us together, and let's stand at the bottom of the ladder and celebrate what Jesus has done as people take a first public step of saying, I'm alive with Jesus. 
It is a step in the direction of living out a public faith. There's a thread in the resurrection accounts. And this is what led me to this message this week. But in Matthew 28, verses 6 and 7, you read of the story of the account of the resurrection. It says this in verse 6. You'll, you'll recognize this verse. He's not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Now in this account, we get a little foretaste of what it's like to see and experience a resurrected king. An empty tomb. What's the call? And here it is. Come, see, then go quickly and tell. Coming and seeing always leads to going and telling. And in every single account throughout the Gospels, you see this to be the case. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 22, there's the command, go into all the world and proclaim and tell the Gospel to the whole creation. In Luke's account, chapter 24, verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed, should be told, should be spoken in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. In John's account, chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We, we recognize the end of chapter 28 in Matthew. We call it the Great Commission where Jesus is giving us our assignment. Right before he ascends up, he's been dead, buried, resurrected, and he's reappeared to his disciples. And some of his last words are known as the Great Commission, found beginning in verse 16 of Matthew 28. This is what it says. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, I would like to suggest to you that no matter where you are in your faith journey, there's a next step for everybody contained in these few verses. That you've never checked all of these off. You've never passed this test. Good, good, good. I've done all this. Now I'm good. I can just sit back now. No, this is a lifelong call that we will spend our, our entire lives trying to fulfill what Jesus has called us to do in the Great Commission. A couple of things I want you to see from these few verses, and we'll spend the rest of our time here. The first thing is that before Jesus commissions us to do anything, he makes a claim about himself. And this is important. He says this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Now, it's crucial if you want to live out the Great Commission that you start with this verse, this claim, because if this claim's not true, then the rest of the verses don't matter. If this claim's not true, there's no point in us being here. If this verse isn't true, then we should have all slept in today. Jesus claiming all authority on, on earth and in heaven has been given to me. Now, with that kind of authority, I'm going to commission you all as my sons and daughters to do something. And here's what he says, go. I love that that's the first word, go. You know, you can't spell the word gospel without starting with the two letters, go. Faith requires movement. In the very beginning in Genesis chapter 11, a crazy story of the Tower of Babel, you see as sin has entered into the world and it's growing quickly, God had called them to be fruitful and multiply, to scatter all across the earth. This, I want you to go. I want you to go to the ends of the earth. I want you to scatter. And they said, no, we don't want to scatter. We'd rather settle. Settling is not a life of faith. Settling is a life of comfort. Settling is a life of, I've got what I want, I've got what I need, so I'm good, I'm gonna check out, y'all wake me up when we get to heaven. But a life of faith requires us to step in faith and to say, I don't know how you use people like me. I probably wouldn't have, if I were you, God, I would have chosen a different plan. I wouldn't have picked guys like me. I wouldn't have picked guys like the disciples. I wouldn't have picked people like all y'all, no offense to you. I probably would have just picked a different plan. But Jesus goes, no, I'm picking people just like you. Broken, fractured, redeemed children. Now go and live out what you've experienced so that when people see you, they can relate to you and they can go, you're just like me, but you have something I don't have. This is why God has sent us into every corner. The life of faith requires movement. And then he gives us the call to make disciples of all nations. Now just quickly, Disciples, discipling, making disciples, I want to ensure everybody understands this, is not the role of a select few superior Christians. Nobody gets off the hook from making disciples. The mark of a true believer is that you make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Now the task can feel overwhelming, and it is which is why we have the promise that Jesus will be with us at the end. But don't let this intimidate you. Uh, I, I'm watching every single day when I'm at home, my, my wife and I trying to disciple two little girls. This is a hard, this is a hard calling in life. A three-year-old and a two-year-old almost. Doesn't feel like we're getting a lot of places every single day. You know, we're trying to pray for stuff. What are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for frozen. You're like, okay. <laughs> Same thing you were thinking before yesterday. We'll work on that, you know. It's about showing up again. It's about modeling for them. It's about letting them see you with your Bible open, letting them hear you and your spouse talk about church on the way home, letting them see that church and faith isn't a thing we show up to and attend. It's something we believe and that we live out. This is discipling. Come follow me. Come watch me. Come let me be a compass for you. And every believer is called to that. Wherever you go, if you're home with your kids, disciple your kids. 
If you're going to work, find some people at your work that are following Jesus and invite them into the story. There's so many places in our church where you can come and disciple people. And this is the call of every single believer. Your personality trait doesn't get you off the hook. Your Enneagram number doesn't get you off the hook. If it did, that'd be great because I'd be out and I wouldn't be doing this. But the call is not dependent on your preferences. The call is on every single believer to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Now, here's a starting point, because I know there's people on every end of the people like, man, that sounds intimidating. I don't even know what that, I don't even know where to start. Let me give you a starting place. When you leave here, you begin praying that God would burden your heart for people to come to faith by name. God, would you burden my heart? Would you put somebody's name, sear their name onto my heart? Maybe it's a brother or a sister. Maybe it's somebody you work with, somebody you work out with, somebody in the carpool line. God, would you put people on my heart that don't know about you? And then you commit to starting to pray for them. That's a great step in the right direction. Maybe for you, it's taking a step of leading a connect group here at our church where you're, you're gonna help lead people and disciple people and point them towards the things of God. This is a space where every single person can jump in. And then the next thing it says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I love this. Did you know that baptism is part of the disciple-making process? That baptism is the first act of obedience for every believer. It's initiation into the family of God. It's how you publicly say, I'm one of us. And so I know in a, in a room where there's lots of people who just put their faith in Jesus, I just want to lovingly encourage you. I think your next step is to get baptized, to publicly declare what already has taken place inside your heart. And there's people in this room, maybe you've never been baptized, but you've been following Jesus for 20 years. Then it's time for you to take a step of obedience. Today, all about what's my step. Maybe for many people, your step is I want to get baptized and I want to publicly Get out of my little isolated bubble and publicly tell people, I'm with Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I'm a son of the king. I'm a daughter of the king. The imagery of baptism, being buried with Christ and being raised with Christ, united to him in faith. If he died, we died. If he was buried, we were buried. But if he raised, we also are raised. This is what we're doing at baptism. Does baptism save us? No. How do you get saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Baptism does not save you, but baptism does proclaim to the world, and it is an act of obedience to say, I've been saved by Jesus Christ. It is a symbol to the world of something that's taken place. It would be like my wedding ring. This, this ring does not make me married. It is a symbol of something that's taken place. So if I take the ring off, I'm not all of a sudden not married anymore. Why? Because this ring isn't what makes me married. What makes me married is I made a commitment to my bride in front of Almighty God. That's what makes me married. This is just a symbol to the world saying, sorry, y'all. <laughs> Actually, that's what her ring's for. Mine's just kind of, you know, felt like I should have one. <clears throat> it's a symbol. I'm with her. She's with me. This is what we're doing in baptism. We're saying to the world, I'm with him. I'm with the king. 
And for some of you, you need to take that step. And it's such a powerful step because of the public declaration. Man, I, I remember um, 2014, I think, is when I started here. And before that, I was coaching tennis. So that was a natural transition, you know, coaching tennis one day, trying to figure out how to minister to people the next day. And um, I remember when I left, I, I was coaching just around the corner here, and I had a bunch of young uh, tennis players that, that were awesome. And I had traveled with them, you know, weekend after weekend after weekend. And when I was leaving to come to the church, nobody understood that. Like, what? Tell me again what you're going to be doing. And um, I invited them because I was being baptized. So I, I knew that I was leaving. And I said, hey, why don't you just come to my baptism? Is that 515? This is in 2013. And, and, and see kind of what this is all about. And one of my students, his name's Andre Duarte. He's a, my, my Colombian brother. I started coaching him, I think he was 10 years old. I mean, he's literally like this big. And uh, he's a senior playing at Georgia State right now. Phenomenal tennis player. But he came to my baptism and my story was shared. There, there was no like, let's explore the divine depths of the Trinity here. There was no, let's, let's split up some doctrine here. There, there, there was none of that. There was me telling my story of being a broken man apart from Christ and yet being redeemed by the love and mercy of Jesus and given a new life in him. And as that story went out in three minutes, the public declaration of what's already happened in my life, Andre said, I want that. And that was the moment. It wasn't a preacher preaching. It wasn't a 45 minute talk. It wasn't the band. It was me, just normal, old, ordinary me his tennis coach, saying, I'm making a decision. Yes, I've come alive in Jesus. I will not live in the shadows. I will, I will publicly declare all that the Lord has done in my life. And taking that first step of obedience, little Andre said, I want that, puts his faith in Jesus. A few years later, this photo was taken. 515, where I got to baptize Andre. He's gonna kill me for showing that photo. <laughs> this is the beauty of the gospel. This isn't me doing anything. This isn't me being a professional Christian. This isn't me knowing all the answers. This is me taking a little kid and going, come on, man, just come, come, come with me. Come on, just come with me. I don't know all the answers to everything, but let's find the answers together. And now he's leading a family group of people He's leading young people in our church. He is a disciple who is making disciples. And this is the call for all of us. This is what happens in baptism. There are stories that go out every time we have a baptism Sunday, regardless of what the message is about. It's like, okay, well, what, what's the reason why you think God doesn't love a person like you? Addiction, divorce, anxiety, whatever, 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 whatever. I'm not belittling those things. I'm just saying at baptism, you, you sit in the gathering and you hear person by person go, that was my thing and Jesus redeemed it. That was my thing and Jesus redeemed it. That was my thing and Jesus redeemed it. And then you sit there and go, okay, maybe Jesus can love a person like me. This is the power of taking our faith public. And then lastly, and I love this because for many of us, the Great Commission is go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, period. But there's a comma there. And it says, teaching them to obey, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. You know, the ultimate sign that you've learned something is that you're able to teach it to someone else. Peter Drucker said this, a businessman. 
No one learns as much about a subject as the man who is forced to teach it. No one develops as much as the man who's trying to help others develop themselves. Instead, no one can develop himself unless he works on the development of others. And so if you're in here and you've been walking with Jesus for a little while, that's my question to you. Who are you helping to develop? As you grow into more maturity with Christ, it doesn't exclude you from the mission. It includes you and goes, hey, now there's, there's more young people here trying to figure this thing out. Come take them under your wing, show them how this works. Come invite them into your house for dinner and teach them the things of God. Come lead them in a connect group and show them what it's like to live a life of faith. This is for everybody. And then it ends with the famous verse, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I do think it's interesting, many of us know that verse. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But it's interesting that it's in the context of the Great Commission, isn't it? So I am with you. As you go, I'm with you. And we like to say it, he's with me always, even to the end of the age, when we're just staying. Now, I'm not saying Jesus isn't with us to the end of the age when we're staying, he is. But it is interesting that this verse is, in, is a part of the Great Commission. That as you go, as you step out in faith, as you go live out this mission, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I love that in Matthew's gospel, the bookends of this book are that Jesus is with us. A baby born in Bethlehem, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Very beginning of the book. And then in the last chapter, it closes with, I will be with you, Emmanuel. Take comfort in that today. You may feel isolated. I don't know what's going on in your life, but you may feel like you're all alone. But for the believer, it is impossible to be all alone because there's nowhere you go that Jesus doesn't go with you. In the middle of whatever situation you're in, in the middle of whatever dark night you're in, take comfort in the fact that the King of Kings is there with you. I remember when I was um, little, we did this thing called Accelerated Reader. I don't know if they still do it. Leslie could probably tell me. No. Okay. <laughs> the way this worked was you would read, check out books in the library, and then you would go take a test in the media center. I don't know if they still have those anymore either. And um, if you got it, enough questions right, you get some points, and the points would add up, and you can go do things like, you know, get a pizza party or go to, we had skate country. I'm from Gainesville. Um, or... If you really racked up on points, you'd go to Six Flags, which is what everybody wanted to do. So I figured out you didn't really have to read the book. You just take the test. Boom, 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 boom. Three out of five, right? Let me take the test again. Boom, 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 boom. Four out of five, great. I'm racking up on points. And one year I got to go to Six Flags. I had never been. And I was so excited to go. Barely tall enough to ride the rides, you know, had to wear the right shoes so I could get the clearance. And um, it's interesting when you go to Six Flags that on every ride, there's, you know, there's this long line. Then you get up to where there's all these little lines to get on the car, and there's like nobody in the middle. And there's a long line in the front and a long line in the back. Big debate on which one takes more courage to ride in the front or the back. We won't solve that today. Um, but I went for the front. So we're, we're riding in line, and man, I'm so excited seeing people go off, come back, you know. I'm like, this is gonna be amazing. Finally, after what feels like about seven hours, we make it up to the beginning, and it's my turn to go, and my hamstrings lock up. 
You ever had, that ever happened to you? You're like, this is gonna be awesome. And you're like, I, I, I cannot physically move right now. And I got terrified. Uh, we were riding the Batman. Don't know if that still exists or not. And um, so, so I'm getting on there. You gotta pull the thing down over your head, which is weird. I thought it was gonna be one of these. So that threw me for a loop. And, um, and I'm freaking out. And I'm going, I can't do it. I can't do it. Take this off. I can't do it. Let me out. And all of a sudden my dad, God bless him, comes from the line, definitely wasn't planning on riding any roller coasters, which now I get, because if you go to Six Flags now as an adult, you need a back surgery after you ride one <laughs> ride, amen? It's like, just put a little chiropractor's office at the end of every roller coaster. And um, he gets on with me, and there was something about my dad taking one step towards the roller coaster. And I went, I'm good, I'm cool. Because I knew my dad's with me and I am scared to death of what lies in front of me. But if he's here, I'm good. And I don't know what lies in front of all of you individually or you as a family. I don't know what you're intimidated by. I don't know if maybe for you, just taking the next step is intimidating because you're comfortable with the view you got and you're like, I don't know how do we even take our next step. But I just wanna encourage you that Jesus is with you in that. The great comforter is with you in that. And he's with you in everything. So what's your next step today? We'll pray in just a second, but I wanna give you a few options. For some of you, maybe a first step of taking your faith public is at some point you put your faith in Jesus here and you've never put a light bulb in a wall. I would love for us to have a moment after this gathering where all of us just hang and let's just celebrate what Jesus has done in our family. Maybe for you, it's baptism. You've never done that. And you just need to go public with your faith and you need to allow your story to be used by God. Maybe for you, it's you got questions, you need to jump into something like launch or maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a little while. Maybe you need to jump into a core class or maybe, you know, talking about teaching and you're like, I, I, I need to be making some disciples. I need people under me. Maybe you need to start leading a connect group, you and your wife, or what a great step that would be. You got people showing up at your house every, every week. Guess what? You're gonna dig deep into the things of God because in order for you to lead them, you've gotta be led to a deeper place so that you can lead them. And this is part of God's plan as to how he leads us. After this gathering, we'll have welcome to church on the other side of the bridge. And that'd be a great opportunity for some of you to take your next step. But I just wanna leave you with a simple challenge. If you came by yourself, then when you leave here today, ask yourself the question, what is my next step? Because if there's not a next step, then you've discovered all there is of God. And if you've discovered all there is of God, then it's not God. Because we can't discover all there is of God. There's always another rock to turn over. There's always another journey. There's always another sunset. There's always a better view. And maybe for you, if you're in here with your family, a great thing to do as you're sitting down for dinner tonight would be just to say to your spouse, what's our next step? We've kind of been doing the same thing now for like three or four years and it's comfortable and we like it, but what's our next step? How do we take a next step of faith and begin to process that together? And I promise you that regardless of how great your view is right now, you will never take a step with Jesus and desire to go back to the last view. You will never do that because the next view is always better than the last one. And so let's just be a church that's committed to taking a step 
to believing that what lies ahead is better than what lies behind. Let me pray for us as we close. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church Podcast.